Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Okay, welcome to the Grief Mixtape. Um, we are joined by lovely Raisa Padini, who is a brilliant artist whose work I've loved for a long time. Welcome. Hello, thanks for having me. <laughs> it's so nice to be here. So lovely to have you on the show. Um, Raisa has uh, shown up in the best outfit as well today, which feels kind of somehow like colour coordinated to your to your mixtape. I don't know. It feels like <laughs> the colours of your mixtape, but um, it's a yeah. A really amazing amazing kind of house to suit Thank you. <laughs> yeah it's really good with it some good red as well um so we just played the ballad of el gudo big star can you tell us about how this made the cut on your mixtape so yeah uh, big star is a one of those bands that kind of followed my life here and there i'm from italy but i moved to uh, UK, I moved to Berlin, uh, I lived in London, Glasgow. It seems that my life was a bit of a nomad, um, yeah, um, way of working and living and making friends. And, you know, it's always difficult to start back again every time. So you have to have your staples together. Mm. And music has always been one of those. And, you know, design as well. Uh, so my passions are almost like put everything in a little luggage and they're coming with me so big star was always that kind of band that when i fell low or i felt like you know one of those days a little bit upset um even if the music is kind of melancholic it will it will make me feel better um it's one of those bands that i found out when i was a teenager and i was trying to find my identity and uh, the way i would um my my vision of the word would be so i think it reminds me of the energy that i had back then mm. uh you know i still remember the first time i heard this record i went to see a friend of mine in a different region in italy and he was older than me and um he knew about big star um he put it in the car and we were just driving through the fields <laughs> and it was that it was that and i think um you know we didn't even talk there was nothing to talk about <laughs> you know you just uh, soak into the music and it was so good and i think that's the way that they are also talking through their lyrics you know everyday life sort of um experiences that innocence the so yeah it speaks through me and this innocence really comes through and yeah whenever i don't feel too good it's my one record to go. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. save me, please. That's really interesting. I think there's like a real regulating force to music and a grounding, um, yeah, a, something that really can ground you. And it seems like you access that 
you know, where and it's lovely to think of that wherever you go in the world, you know, that that's something that will kind of bring you back to you know, life. the sort of <laughs> life or the centre or, you know, I think that's really nice because I think, um, yeah, we are, you know, also very much kind of living in really unpredictable and volatile times. So it's really nice to always know that you have that access point to kind of bring you back. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, uh, because there isn't a certain style in that music and is kind of accessible to a lot of different um, genre, I know, it inspired a lot of different genre and artists to come. So it doesn't necessarily live in a part of the music history, mm. to me at least. So it's kind of like always perfect for every moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, I heard it in clubs at the end of maybe a DJ set, uh, any of the songs from the album. I heard it at home, uh, people's home. Uh, I've heard it like in the park, you know, it's just, just that kind of music that is always good for everything. Yeah. And I think that's why people appreciate Big Star. Also, I'm just getting into meditation since like a, a year. Mm. But before then, I didn't really experience anything like it. So maybe this was my kind of meditation somehow. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, music for me has always been, okay, I need to put myself into this place. Yeah. And now I know what it is because I've been meditating. And I'm yeah. like, oh, connection. <laughs> yeah. So do you think um, the repetition of this song also in different locations that you've played it where you've been kind of wanting to ground yourself, has it acquired a new layer each time? Yeah, 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 for sure. I think um, I started to think, you know, last week I went to see The Whale at the cinema and um, he does something similar, the main character that he, he reads uh, out loud the same piece of writing every time that it doesn't feel very good so it's almost like knowing that you have something that will make you feel better you don't know about meditation or in such but it comes almost automatic to you mm. spontaneously you, you're you're attracted to that so maybe this is one of the songs um that i'm like okay i need to i need to hear it loud to to put myself into the mood of the day. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, watching that film kind of made me think about it. And I said, like, oh, maybe I'll do that with music as well. <laughs> yeah. I think if you constantly repeat, um, you know, if you have that sort of process of repeating sounds in general, then it does become really meditative. And then you can sort of associate that with going to a certain place in your mind that's calming. And, you know, I think music as well can do that you know it's really yeah I, I also think there's a way of kind of being in the world but also being sort of safe and kind of alone within it but around people there's a real beauty there um okay so your next song home at last natalie bergman tell us about this and and the sort of there's a you know everyone brings there are so many it's always very eclectic the mixtape because it sort of references different parts of our lives so tell us about this one yeah so the grief from this um this song this album is actually real it's not coming from a personal experience but then somehow he bounced it back to to the audience. Mm. Um, so Natalie Bergman and her brother used to be in this uh, band called Wild, Wild Bell. Uh, they were doing very well. I think that they had a headline tour in, U in uh, the US. 
and it was a big deal. And unfortunately, uh, I think before they were going on stage of Radio City, they got the news that um, their dad and mother-in-law um, died in an accident. Uh, and so she just went solo for a long time and trying to write music on her own. And uh, she found religion and uh, it was something that I think she didn't have before. So she got attached to, you know, this energy, this uh, this new thing for her that helped her finding peace in her grief. Yeah. Um, and she came out with these beautiful records, which is a solo debut. And every song is an ode to her dad. And uh, it's just beautiful because, you know, we were talking about the fact that we're here talking about grief and is to us is very important to a lot of people can be important and for me the honesty of this record you know she doesn't take any compromises on what what she showing us mm. is vulnerability is grief is something very intimate and personal and you know i just it's almost like wow when i heard the, the first time i didn't know about this story and i already felt there was something in there and then you read about it and you're like of course I could feel it. Right. Um, so right. she did a job that I don't think is second to none. Uh, um, it's just mad. To me, it's uh, very spiritual. And I saw her uh, playing in a church in London. The first time that I saw her playing, this record was in a church. So, um, you know, whatever uh, our thoughts are on religion, there was something that it was more than human in, in that room. Um, you know, the sound was incredible. She was very um, emotional. It was perfect. Yeah. I went home and, you know, uh, I felt like I was on the edge of crying. And uh, again, it wasn't my grief, but we shared it together. Yeah. And I think he's so human to see that. Mm. And he's so positive in a way because we all go through things. But we, if we can channel our feelings then they're coming out and we can share it with others. And, um, you know, for me personally, if I keep things inside myself, they just get worse with the time. If yeah. I don't talk about it, if I don't release it, if I don't do it by myself or other people around me, it just keeps um, growing inside me. Definitely. Is, yeah. is your practice a release of sorts? <clears throat> is your work, do you release things there? or? Yeah, I think subconsciously. Right. Um, when I talk about my work, I realise a lot of different things that I don't realise while I'm doing it. Right. So I think uh, I started working with uh, university and students helped me to understand the reason why I do a lot of things at my practice. Um, so yeah, it has been a couple of years that I'm working with students and they make me realize a lot of things. And, uh, you know, the fact that, that I, um, share a lot of colors and a lot of positive messages and, um, is definitely something that goes in contrast with some of my anxiety and, uh, what I've got inside and it helps balance up, you know, the down moments with the up of the positive design you see mm. it's almost like okay if i do this with design we're going up with a little um, <laughs> mood level and it just balanced with my down days yeah um but it's something i do subconsciously i don't even we you know we were talking about the way i dress today 
is another um, way for me to try to balance up that. Um, I don't know. I, I'm a very anxious person and I can have very big mood swings and uh, I can get depressed very, very quickly if I don't look after myself. So maybe putting a colour on or doing a design that is full of colour or talk to the students, you know, coming here, sharing mm. um, is helping me. So the community is there for me. Yeah. Um, so these are the little things I do every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's. I think that sort of maintaining um, even and good, I don't know, you know, everyone has a different version of that, but good mental health um, in the world, in a city as well, um, it does require all these little things to kind of, you know, come together in a, a sort of daily practice and a bit of a commitment to that and knowing what is, yeah, sort of good for you and your sort of wider circle in your community. We were talking earlier before we came on air about, um, yeah, you know, this sort of the fine line between sort of maintaining good mental health and then the sort of wellness industry. And um, I think you know, it's really great to know what kind of keeps you well. And then I think there are so many, we still have a long way to go in terms of how we sort of, the messages that kind of go out there from from that sort of wellness industry around, yeah, just sort of throwing a smile on and things because it is, you know, so much more complicated than that. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about this. I think that over... <clears throat> I think if we put vulnerability and honesty over anything, then we can only build something good together. Yeah. So that's what I tell the students as well. Like instead of getting the message from the wellness yeah. industry or that, trying to put yourself out there, if you can, you know, also all due respect to people that are more shy. and But, you know, uh, he helps me and he helps... Um, uh, it can it can be something that you know you can grow with within. I think I was a little bit more shy before I came to London. Like you say, cities can change you and shape you in different ways. Um, now I'm more out there and direct. <laughs> but then maybe that helped me as well to get things out. Um, I'm very sociable and I'm always out for a party. But then when I'm on my own, I'm like. I keep everything by myself. <laughs> yeah, I think there's that sort of introvert, extrovert, you know, thing that a lot of people I know have as well, where, you know, if they're sort of choosing to be sociable and, and extrovert, then that's, yeah, that's sort of within that time yeah. frame. But then many people I know, myself included, like <laughs> that time to recharge on your own is essential for the other, for the extrovert side to kind yeah. of happen. So you kind of, you do need the big recharge. And I think particularly if you are sharing a lot of your interior world in your practice, like you, you kind of have to have that, that sort yeah, of time. Yeah, for sure. And I think at first I didn't realise how important that was uh, for me to mm, trying to let it out. And maybe I was finding in gigs like a little escape because you don't have to talk. Yes. Or, um, you know, reading a book yeah. because you're going somewhere somewhere else with your with your mind for a little bit. So all of these um, things that I didn't know they were good to me, then you start realising that they were actually good to you. Definitely. Uh, when you're trying to learn about meditation or taking a moment for yourself and 
you know, I I was born in Italy, which is a very Catholic country, and we don't really have the concept of meditation or like alternative medicine or like trying to look after our body in a different way. So it's something that I definitely started to look into when I was in London. Yeah, um, mixing out with different cultures and learning from each other. Yeah, uh, but yeah, otherwise, <laughs> you know, men don't talk. Or like <laughs> women at home cooking. That's the kind of uh, kind of toxic culture that unfortunately is still alive and thriving in Italy. Mm. Uh, obviously, generalizing is never good, and there are beautiful people that <laughs> are going opposite directions and trying to push the community to a healthier, less toxic, um, yeah, life. But uh, yeah, in general. Um, I had to escape. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think it's also, you know, um, smaller communities as well. I grew up in the countryside here and no doubt some of those things that you just mentioned will still be going on out there. And um, and yeah, and I think that same thing of like, oh my God, I've got to go. Um, but I wanted to come back to the, the urgency before we play this track of... Um, Natalie Bergman. So did she, when this happened, when she got this news, did she go straight on the stage in Radio City? I actually don't know. It's something that I didn't question myself somehow. <laughs> yeah. But it would be good to know because uh, it would be nice to, to to hear about how she reacted. Um, I don't know if it was shared because I didn't read that part or if she kept it for herself. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I think maybe the rest of the tour was definitely cancelled. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we need to check on that. Yeah, it's very interesting. I think that, that urgency that you can have um, when you when something, you know, so painful happens and if you are, if you do have a practice which is, to a certain extent, public, mm-hmm. um, what then happens, you know? So we were talking on the... After the last show about, we often talk about Nick Cave, but we're talking about how he, uh, you know, made work quite quickly after losing um, one of his sons and how a lot of people sort of advised him to not do that because the the sort of of the raw, unfinished, yeah, Mm. and how what may come out that you may sort of regret later, presumably because of vulnerability, um, Mm -hmm. actually, and, and then something being not as sort of deeply produced as you might normally do. Um, and him sort of really sticking by that being urgent and absolutely ne- necessary in that for time. Him, yeah, to feel better. But yeah. also there's a raw energy that no one will ever give you. Yeah. I started to appreciate grief in uh, something that can bring, yeah, this energy that's never going to be there yeah. again. Yeah, so totally. So like, otherwise, what would you appreciate during mm. those weeks, those months, you know, you need to see the best out of it. And yeah. then, if anything, you know, you can use this part of your life to... Um, don't compromise or you know sometimes you're like you think less about what people think yeah um when you just had a depression or you just lost someone or you are more concentrated on yourself and what what do you want to do <laughs> it's like i'm sure that nick cave needed to do that in order to get through his um grief mm. and uh yeah, I'm sure that he was just like got nothing to lose here. 
I'm just going to go and do the best work I can do. Yeah. So that's very admirable and it's something that is not very promoted to do. Yeah. Like you said, uh, rather people will say the opposite. Yeah. And it's like, why would you say that? It's, uh, was there to lose? I don't know. Like, even if it did something completely different to what it did before. Yeah. So what? Like, totally. How do you know it's going to regret it? Well, that's it. And I think advising, I guess it's from an industry perspective, is there probably a fear over a vulnerability? I mean, there's so many times I've had people say, you know, oh God, don't, you know, don't be too vulnerable. Don't mm. be, you know, you're avoiding this vulnerability because, um, Ultimately, it's, it t- will touch people, but it also make, can also make people feel really uncomfortable. And yeah. are we in a position in, are we, do we have a language for that? Are we st- I think we're still learning that. We're still not quite there. And, it's true. Yeah. I think uh, with my Instagram, I channel a lot of vulnerability now. Yeah. But probably when I started and I didn't have the clients that I have now, yeah. there is a hint of okay, now that I've got stability, it's almost my my goal to share my vulnerability to others. Yeah. And I'm also in a position to do it. Yeah, and um, using a platform that you've built. Over. Yeah, but also, yeah, I, I keep telling the student, like, if you're not feeling comfortable to share something personal, don't do yeah, it. Don't, it's fine. Because, yeah. um, again, it's a privilege that you create. Yes. Mm, within financial stability, stability or yeah, a position as an artist that you can be like, no, to 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 you know, Nick Cave to a label, you'll yeah. be like, no, I don't <laughs> want to do it. I gave you all of these <laughs> records, all of these books. Yeah. Now you let me do what I want. Yeah, it's a it's a position that not many people are been putting on, and um, I appreciate that some people can feel uncomfortable Definitely. to do the same thing. But it's so beautiful to see some representation. When, it, when there is a chance and people take it yeah. and show it to the world, then they are helping us to make this balance a little bit more strong every day and be like, okay, maybe I can use my grip for something as well yeah. as him or someone else that we see around. Yeah, so... Yeah, there's two sides of it. I, I get I get it that some people are not in the position to do it. And I wasn't. But now I feel like, okay, I can use my platform. I can use my voice. Why not? Definitely. Because um, we're humans. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, sort of breathe the kind of humanity into it as well and the sort of the natural um, capacity that we all have for imperfection, mm. you know. And I think people can then really connect to that. As, yeah. Yeah, I'm, 100%. I received a message the other day of, uh, I started to do more video and I received this I message. I saw that. Oh, yeah, it looks great. You. I just, just uh, you know, the urge of creativity to try to go different places sometimes to keep that raw style into it. But someone messaged me and it was really nice to receive these uh, texts on Instagram. They say, oh, I don't know how you can do everything, like congratulations, blah, blah. And I actually needed to say, um, thank you, it's great. But don't forget, this is Instagram. And uh, I actually had to stay home for like three weeks because I had an injury caused by overworking right um i only want to tell you this because i don't want to um show myself as this person that can do a million of things and actually 
I was on the edge yeah. <laughs> of like an injury because of that. So I've opened myself to this person because I think he was only honest to say the truth. And uh, we had a little chat and it was good. Um, it's important. <laughs> it's really important. I, yeah, I think so because I think the gloss of, I think there's one thing like sharing you know your your pain and your experience through your practice and whatever medium that is there's another sharing that through social media which is a whole other kind of beast because the engagement is 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 very different it feels a lot more exposed to people who might then who might otherwise naturally seek out your music or your pra- your your work you know it's a different platform so yes it's good to be able to kind of have a bit of honesty there yeah I'm trying to do as much as possible of course you can't just post essays it's not the place you know Twitter Instagram they don't even have enough words for you to explain a concept yeah if I can I'm trying it gets me a little bit more anxious these days than when I started to talk more about uh, um, mental health it's just because I don't know, I had a couple of bad um, events throughout when people would attack me and I was just On showing. Social media, yeah. yeah, they just, um, again, I don't blame anyone. There's not enough words to describe how things are or feeling. And uh, you, there's always going to be someone that thinks differently to you. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like an attack on my vulnerability. It was just like... Maybe sharing something and uh, someone else will say the opposite. <sighs> and so I was just like, of course, there's there's millions of people in this platform. Of yeah. course, there will be people that will think differently. And I can't just say, go away from a platform. It, it has to come <laughs> from them. You know, if they're not interested, they have to understand that maybe my platform isn't the one to yeah. look at. Um but it's just difficult. I don't know. There are very good people. Uh, not good people. That's not the right word. There are people that can take a lot in from social media without being affected. Mm. I'm quite sensitive in a way that can upset me quite easily. Yeah. So maybe sometime if I'm not in the right place to talk, I don't talk. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> um, I talk a lot about politics as well. and things. So that that's when all the opinions come out. Um so I make sure now that I post when I can take a criticism. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. So because it's it's important that other people can say what they think. But yeah. definitely, definitely, I do think this platform. Sometimes I would like to never look at it again. I yeah. almost would like to kind of have my phone just yeah, in the box. <laughs> yeah, kind of very old school, like nineties, just for calls if urgent kind of thing. Because yeah. I just find it like a real hindrance to creativity in many ways as well and it's unfortunate that we that we have this yeah this stuff yeah instagram twitter whatever that we kind of rely on that we kind Mm -hmm. of you know but at the same time it has been great for amplifying this language around yeah i've learned a lot Uh yeah yeah there are a lot of amazing profiles that we all follow and they're they're just showing so much that i didn't know before even from nutrition yeah um, just very technical things that they are explaining those, uh, you know, set of words. But then it's beneficial when, when you know, when I have to post a concept, then it's difficult to have that many words. But then when someone explains me something I don't know in like 10 words, I'm like, 
it's so easy to get. To yes. Thank you so much. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah. Sometimes it can be good. Mm. And um, I was reading this article the other day that um, writing in like the Middle Age, you um, were seen sometimes as toxic, like reading. So mm, I need to find this article. Maybe we can link it up uh, for, yeah. the, for the podcast because it's kind of made me question. Also, maybe we are doing something that we think is toxic right now, but then maybe in the next centuries to come, it will be seen as productive. I don't know. There were some examples of writers saying, oh, my God, I can't believe I've been reading so much this week and that took away time for my life. And <laughs> it's like it's crazy to think about it now because we think that obviously we, we know that reading is such a great access to culture but yeah <laughs> maybe one day you will be seen like wow you had a phone in your hand you could search anything you wanted yeah I don't know no that's it really makes you question a little bit yeah that's really interesting I've kind of um I'm going to play this song very soon but we just very oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> very kind of it's really interesting the conversation and I've been thinking a lot recently about yeah, you know, we're talking about all the interior worlds that you can go into, all the sort of ways that you can kind of um, ground yourself or, you know, music being one and reading being another. And um, I've sort of really something that I want to, I've wanted to talk about a lot in relation to grief lately, because for many years since you losing um, parents and my sister, I've not been able to really... Well, I have, but I've very much struggled to read. Like I, like in terms of like losing myself in novels, losing myself in someone else's world, and um, and I can sort of, I've obviously, you know, I've, there's been a lot of therapy and things, but I've spoken a lot with my therapist around nervous systems and what happens and um, post trauma and things and how you, um, you know, how our kind of system really struggles to bring itself down to be able to kind of lose yourself in someone else's world book, yeah yeah and I think there's something really interesting around um like a lot of there's a real kind of phenomenon with people who've experienced trauma where they like to um read or watch the same things on repeat because it's oh, a right. safety because you know what is oh, happening like we were saying of course yeah, 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 yeah so yeah. you know how it's going to end so you will go for that because you don't want anything that's familiarity yeah, 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 yeah and there's a real safety f which for your nervous system and um it's taken me like a decade to kind of be able to really lose myself in a book and I've started to do that in the last, maybe only in the last sort of six months. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes. And there's something very interesting there around like really rediscovering the absolute joy of, yeah, losing yourself mm. and not knowing how it's going to end up, you know. Yeah, it's great. And I couldn't really read because of my depression as well. It is something that... I bring up to just say it can be common. That's interesting, um, right? And I started after pandemic again, and then you know I finished four or five books just last month. It was just like, oh my god! Um, wow! But I had to allow myself to read, you know, not history or not politics. Just start from something that is very enjoyable. And, yeah. Um, it's maybe a novel that is very exciting and fun. Yeah. So you're, you want to pick up the book. And yeah. as a muscle, you just like, okay, I finished one book. Let's go to the next one. And, or like biographies that they're always fun. Um, yeah, so I, I haven't reached the history again. <laughs> 
is steps, it's like you definitely. said, you know, steps. And so. it is a muscle. You're so right. And I think sort of trusting your sort of system as yeah. well, you know. But yeah. also the success of being like, oh, I finished one book. Yeah. I want to, I can do it. Yeah. It's, um, with my therapist, we talk a lot about um, collecting a nice memory from something the more you collect them the more you're pushed into do something so you right. know if you if you keep doing it with books that are not very difficult to read or very small <laughs> you're like oh wow look at how many books i read you, you almost feel like a boost from yourself and some self-esteem you know yeah so then you just keep going yeah so um, there's an association with yeah. a- achievement of some sort or yeah because yeah. i can't take my blood from my arm because i had a very bad trauma so you know the therapist said try to always do the blood test with the same person right and uh, you trust that person and the more you do it the less it becomes difficult right um so yeah it's about collecting one good thing after the other and then yeah okay i'm not gonna lose myself out of this (laughs) no that's really interesting because i think those are kind of conditions for safety that then help um to kind of regulate and yeah help you to basically to sort of move out of the trauma in a safe way which is kind of essential um but let's come back to this because i really want to talk about safety it's something that has become really like at the forefront of many conversations involving grief but let's let's finally play a song (laughs) (laughs) home at last natalie bergman thank you And thank you for giving the context to this as well. I think you can, yeah, you can really, really feel that. I'm actually going to start to listen to her. Yeah, the lyrics as well. If you ever listen to the album, anyone, uh, uh, yeah, the lyrics definitely have. If you know the story, you can catch the lyrics here and there. Yeah. Talking about it. Yeah. Um, I think it's very beautiful, yeah. Yeah, it's really beautiful. We've got... um, the, your next track is Gil Scott Heron, um, who will pay reparations on my soul, which I think is really beautiful and interesting. Tell us about this. Um, I I've, I listened to his music since, I don't know, as long as I remember. I think, um, you know, soul music in general is something that has been... Uh, with me since teenager, I, I used to uh, collect like Northern Soul, Soul, R&B. Mm. So I, um, and I was a very curious kid, so I was always reading about the history behind it. And I think, uh, you know, artists like him really bring the grief of our community uh, together in their songs and also help um, the community that doesn't know or can't speak. It's almost like a bouncing uh, system right 
the experience has been put in a song and the song help other people. So it's just almost multiplying <laughs> people in the same community mm. and experiencing the same thing. Um, so, you know, obviously politically, historically, but also musically is just one of those perfect artists that could put them all together in in like a song yeah <laughs> in yeah. many songs and um it doesn't happen too often in a history that you're so good at doing everything <laughs> so you know from the lyrics perspective so powerful to the way you represent uh people and uh, a moment in time and uh you know, obviously I wasn't there, but through the music, you feel like you were there and you can experience the same grief as they do. And so is when music can do that is a perfect balance between different factors. Definitely. And, Definitely. It's, you know, is mad when you can place it geographically, historically, emotionally into a a year or a period of time is just to me is mind blowing. Yeah, when an artist can do that, is the peak of uh, like a musician. Yeah, a poet. Uh, you know, Definitely, everything. Yeah. So it, it to me, I've got a lot of respect for people that can bring that together. And um, yeah, again, it's not my personal grief, but um, it's something that you know, listening to his music is something that helps me understand. Uh, a community grief um, in a moment in time and it's so valuable you know that that, the music is never going to go away (laughs) it's it's recorded it's available and it will inspire other people after me before me is great yeah is so I think uh, that's why I'm I'm drawn uh, to his music so much Um, it just helps me understand what's going on what happened yeah it's um, so beautiful this um i think you know artistry for that legacy you know which then can be accessed decades you know decades later and you know the i don't know the way that that resonates and the way that it instructs and educates as well is absolutely essential and so um kind of underestimated i think mm-hmm. you know alongside obviously you know everything that we can kind of read and learn in a factual way but i think learning and absorbing a collective and personal experience through music is super powerful yeah because music is accessible yes so you know whenever you bring this contents to music means that you have a whole new audience in front of you yes and i think uh, it's so relatable these days as well because we finally uh taking you know a little bit of powers as as people again and we we demonstrate, we protest again. It feels that this community power is coming back finally again. So listening to music like this means that it's possible. It's almost pushing you to do it again. Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, we live a moment in time now that, I don't know if it's because we live in London, but I, I see protests going on everywhere. Yeah. And it's very necessary yeah. and it's very powerful and, uh, yeah, Listening to people that have done it before uh, and experiencing what they've done uh, through music is almost encouraging. Is uh, again a place of safety. Like, yes. Yes. Is as has happened. Yeah. It will happen again. Yeah. Um, 
everyone was fine. <laughs> yeah, I think the safety of, of you know, someone um, like Gil Scott Heron in terms of like being a leader of, yeah. you know, leading these thoughts forward um, and these feelings of these collective feelings through music does create um, a confidence or a, a, a platform again for other yeah. people who, yeah. are, who are having those same feelings to kind of come forward or express themselves. Yeah, and it's scary, you know. I've uh, I've been I've been a lot in protests recently because of all of the issues with the government and everything. Yeah. So uh, it can be scary to be out there with all of the new laws in place and the power that they give to police again. And yeah. so. You know, knowing that there's other people before you that have done it uh, is giving you a bit of bravery to, yes. to do it again um, because of the ways you're just, you know, they want you to feel scared and be at home. Definitely. <laughs> they kind of ride on that. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of their mind trick. So yeah. instead, if we are just taking this energy from other people, they've been documenting, you know, reading books about it, listening to music, like it's got Aaron. Yeah. It's kind of saying like, no, I'm not staying at home. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going. Yeah. And you're not stopping me. Yeah. So it's valuable and underestimate for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is, uh, it's so relatable these days. So mm. I think... Uh, um, he, I think that there were a new box set out like a couple of years ago that has been rebranded on his music again and I think it was good because it gave him a new, um, do you know, when things are re-released, they, they kind of give a new exposure and then new people can access to their music. So I think it was good. Um, and yeah, uh, I always listen to his music and I yeah. always will and I recommend it to anyone that wants to get closer to that kind of power. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to play this now. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. beautiful thank you so much for bringing that um putting that on your grief mixtape Rosa. it's groovy as oh. well groovy <laughs> so groovy <laughs> i love the word groovy um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of bringing it back yeah yeah is it in your is it in your vocabulary groovy is it i think uh, sometimes because i'm not an english speaker as a native i just pick words that maybe they are more old fashioned for, i love for it no it's and brilliant bring them back. i love it it's great because i remember saying groovy and someone say oh that's so 90s but i was like i wasn't in, i wasn't in uk <laughs> in the 90s so I'm kind of allowed to use it. Yeah, yeah. Allowed to use it under any circumstances. Yeah. It's great. Let's bring it back. Yeah, bringing it back. Um, so our last song um, is a Pet Shop Boys song, Being Boring. Um, tell us about this. I think if you, the way that you contextualise this in the notes that you sent over um, was really interesting. Um, so please, please tell us a little bit about this for you. Um, I think uh, grief as such is not just personal for me, but it's also coming with the community, like we say, right? Uh, it's political, it's historical, it's this uh, pressure that you can feel. And uh, somehow, sometimes your life is good, but you don't know what's going on. You still feel unsettled and 
there are all these things around you that affect you. So one of, uh, you know, one of um, my personal grief coming from a community was, um, you know, people affected by HIV um, because I was very, very young. Um, my parents, uh, that kind of generation, then when you were 18, 19, unfortunately, heroin came out. And uh, no one really knew how to use it. Mm. Uh, so my dad, uh, because, you know, maybe because he was going out with a lot of musicians and uh, he was interested in like a sort of different um, dance club right. um, where heroin was used way more. Um, he had a lot of friends that unfortunately shared um, needles and uh, somehow live uh, with a positive HIV test for a long time up until I was born. And uh, so I remember a lot of his friends being around me and then all of a sudden not be there anymore. And uh, me has been a very curious kid. I was always questioning my parents. <laughs> I was like, why this person is not here? Why so I'll pick up things here and there and I would just keep questioning and um, there is, uh, you know, when I think about that, that there is a sadness into that experience that maybe I never really confronted my mom and dad to talk about it. Um, it's only recently coming out um, in therapy um, subconsciously that I, I was affected more than I thought. Uh, about this loss and um, it made me scared of blood tests uh, as well, thinking that blood tests were, you know, I, I linked the needle to my arm as, oh my God, someone's going to kill me um, because I thought that that was what the drug was doing to you. So for a long time, I couldn't, uh, I, I'm still, I'm still not able to take my blood from my arm. I need to do it from my hand. Uh, so there's so all painful. of these, it's mad, right? Like I, I went to hypnotherapy to uh, deal with this and all of this stuff came subconsciously to me. Yeah. And she wasn't asking anything. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so she told me, you know, memories are there for you to remember them again, they're not going anywhere. So to me, it was, again, mind-blowing. I was like, oh, my God, that's so true. Because the moment that someone reminds you of something or the moment that something comes back to you, the memory is coming back. Yeah. So it's stored somewhere there inside yourself. Definitely. So all of this came out that way. And I started to think about, you know, the community. Um, I'm from a little town in Italy that was really affected by heroin. Uh, not because it was a poor um, community, almost the opposite. They they had the money to invest in these new drugs and they didn't feel like uh, questioning. So a lot of people just got the drug and passed it on um, as if it's a new thing now, you know. Um, right. So it was one of the most affected uh, town in Italy. Um, being also a creative place to be, I don't know, sometimes different community brings different ways to see things uh, somehow. Yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, um, I decided to play Pet Shop Boys because they were one of those bands that talked about um, AIDS and HIV and, um, you know, their community was extremely affected by, by it. Uh, our, our whole community size down 
by this virus and uh, I can only imagine how it was to be yeah. part of that community and just thinking about it, it made me grieving myself, you know. Again, another historical part of our community um, that you can only imagine but music help bringing up again and yes. never forget about it mostly. Yes. Yeah. So again, it's so important because we need this documentation. We need people to talk about things. So hopefully we're not going to repeat the same things ever again yeah. or at least make things better next time. Um, so I'm interested in uh, this side of music, you know, bringing uh, realism <laughs> into it and document it somehow. I'm sure that a lot of people have been listening to Pet Show Boy without thinking about it. But I'm also sure that if they start paying attention one day about the lyrics, uh, they will find it as yes. well. So the the history is there for for them to be discovered, you know? Definitely. So it's always available. I think memory is also really interesting because I think the more when we revisit it and revisit it and revisit it, it then the narrative or the association can also change and how we sort of connect to that. And I think... Um, you know, the more you revisit it, the more you can then sort of contextualise that and understand that and kind of hold a space for it. And um, I think that's, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, they're also Pet Shop Boys kind of work also speaks to yeah. many communities or community that was particularly marginalised in the time that they were making music. So I think yeah. that's also really interesting as well. Yeah, um, and still marginalised. Still marginalised, Like what, what we were saying, seeing that uh, it's great to see how much work we've done, but it's also good to see how much work wasn't done, just yes. so we are motivated to keep pushing Defi uh, yes, definitely. for better rights, for better laws, for better... You you know representation yeah so both ways it is positive to have these reports <laughs> yeah absolutely um right so it's been and i'm going to play the song uh, and we're going to close this um this show but it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much no, thank I feel, you i feel this um this uh space is amazing so thank you for having me thank you it's so important to talk about how we feel and how we are yeah honestly is yeah it's a lot of thoughts kind of stimulated from you know early morning big chats feel really <laughs> yes. good yeah <laughs> coffee <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah thank you so much for thank you me. thank you